we're starting with um, question 1.7. So let's get into the second half of the first raw material law of one session. So again, this was January 15, 1981. We went through the first uh, five responses or so, which are basically a couple of main uh, statements, They're complex and deep from raw in their first meeting with the LNL group of Don, Carla, and Jim. So uh, I'm not going to go over what we covered, but uh, briefly, uh, Ra introduces themselves. They explain why they're contacting the LNL group. Uh, a little introduction to the Confederation of Planets, which is the collective of benevolent off-planet groups that Ra is a representative of, not the only, but one representative of, and Ra would be considered an elder, E-L-D-E-R, elder ET group uh, of late sixth density, associated with the consciousness of late sixth chakra, or upper sixth chakra, uh, associated with the law of one, or in awareness of the law of one, which is the unity of all and Ra explains the law of one and the nature of thought <clears throat> and um, very important comments that we are actually not living in a material universe but the materiality that we experience, we the appearance of materiality and solidity of form and objects and matter and all that um, exists as a thought, the thought in the mind of the infinite creator or the infinite being that is creation. Creation as form, as matter, as energy, as light, is the expression of an original thought. The thought is let there be light, or um, let there be a, a boundless uh, expression and expansion uh, and development of um, love uh, in free will, uh, for the experience of itself, because there's only you know one being, the, the the entirety of creation is one life, and so Neil Donald Walsh, the the guy who wrote Conversations with God, I don't think he was talking with God, but uh, there's some good points in the book, nevertheless, such as there's only one of us here, meaning all is one, that's the law of one, so Ra explains that. <clears throat> Ra tried to make contact with other people in the group and um, make the telepathic link, and eventually it settled that Carla is the best uh, receiver in the group, most appropriate. Uh, <clears throat> Ra talked again about the Confederation and Ra's history of connecting with the Egyptians at the time of Akhenaten, about 3,500 years ago, that other uh, elder extraterrestrial or confederation positive group uh, contacted those in South America. So you see the link between uh, some of the temples and the pyramid structures of South America or Peru and Egypt. And we'll get onto that further as we keep reading because uh, we'll talk Earth. Rod presents Earth history in more detail later. And uh, Don was trying to get some basic information on who are you uh, as to Ra and what is this idea of the law of one and 
what is the primary purpose of the raw group, which is a, a social memory complex or a uh, collective um, kind of a super soul or uh, collective individuality or individual collective of a unified mind of all the members of their group. You know, there are souls in that group, many, many, and their consciousness is unified in a way that allows one to speak with the uh, awareness or experience base of all. So that's, again, why Ross says sometimes we or I. So <clears throat> the new material for today starts 1.7, which um, is uh, a question, 1.7 meaning session 1, question 7. The question was lost because the questioner was sitting too far from the tape recorder to be, to be recorded. And that happened because, you know, this, they didn't expect to be getting this uh, contact in, uh, in this way at this time. They were seeking higher dimensional contact with positive uh, teacher, you know, telepathy or channeling. Uh, but they weren't fully prepared for it. And later they ended up with multiple tape recorders because certain ones malfunctioned during later sessions, they ended up with three tape recorders, I believe, uh, running at any one time because of the electromagnetics were pretty intense and tape recorders died in the middle of sessions and things. So we don't know really what the question is of 1.7, but uh, it's pretty much um, following the, the previous question about the Law of One and what that's all about. And so Ra goes, Ra says, Consider, if you will, that the universe is infinite. This has yet to be proven or disproven, so there's no need to worry about proof, but we can assure you that there's no end to yourselves, your understanding, what you would call your journey of seeking, or your perceptions of the creation. That which is infinite cannot be many, for manyness is a finite concept, to have infinity, <clears throat> you must identify or define that infinity as unity. So infinity is unity, or the one infinite, the infinite one. Otherwise, Ra goes on, that term does not have any referent or meaning, the term of infinity. In an infinite creator, there is only unity. And that's the, the seed statement. In an infinite creator, there is only unity. <clears throat> you have seen simple examples of unity. You have seen the prism which shows all colors stemming from the sunlight. This is a simplistic example of unity. And then they go on to the uh, of another pith statement about the law of one. Let me consider personally. Let me let me explain these two brief paragraphs here. <clears throat> uh, we can't prove it, but from their experience, which they say is two billion with a b billion years older than Earth humanity, meaning the raw group in late sixth density has been reincarnating through multiple dimensions, three, four, five, six, for two billion years longer than the average human has been incarnating, uh, getting themselves here to third density now. So they are old souls. And this is another definition for the term wanderer, old soul. Old soul means reincarnating longer than those who have reincarnated less, which is called a young soul. And so a young soul <clears throat> is at an earlier stage of development of consciousness in third density, which is closer to the animal. 
closer to um, no developed or, or not fully developed individual sense of self, but more of a collective identification, collective sense of identity or tribal identity or group or family identity, not much individuation. As the soul develops in third density, it develops more individuation, sense of um, unique identity, uh, and then makes clear their own moral choice of polarity, positive or negative. Negative, in this case, just means service to self or without love. Positive means with love, seeking to know unity in truth. Uh, uh, in a true understanding of unity, there is no right and wrong, or there is no positive and negative. It's just energy uh, of a certain quality. And judgment is removed. There's no need for judgment. You know, positive and negative is usually identified as good and bad. And so we apply the judgment good and bad, and uh, that makes more distortion, because by that judgment, there's rejection or non-acceptance. So the moral judgment of good and bad, uh, kindness is good and, and cruelty is bad. Well, everybody can agree on that. But <clears throat> in truth, uh, it's just uh, activity of mind and body and intention. And there's karmic law, and so there's uh, an appropriateness or a purposefulness to it that we don't understand. Uh, and so whatever we call bad, being misfortune or pain, uh, surely is painful and um, unpleasant. Yet, uh, there's a higher purpose, uh, or there's a embedded invisible purpose and design that gave rise to that experience. And that needs to be understood. And in unity, in higher dimensions, it is understood, and that's why Ra is free from the judgment of good and bad. And so even positive-negative is a judgment <clears throat> in that uh, the two ex actually exist as a unified whole. So there's positive energy pole, you know, plus, and the negative energy pole minus on a battery. Uh, one is simply, <clears throat> you know, what's called positive, and the other one's called negative. You don't have to say good or bad. <clears throat> you can think it's good or bad, and if you want to think that way, it's fine. But when that uh, is applied to the mind, and we judge portions of our mind, or process in our mind certain ways of thinking as bad, we actually usually cannot understand them, or we are not able to truly accept them and release them. <clears throat> and so the judgment of uh, that's bad, which is very natural, um, often generally leads to more distortion and conflict. Uh, and it certainly disallows a deeper spiritual understanding of why it is this way. So that will play into <clears throat> the last paragraph on this 1.7. But uh, the first two are basically explaining that Infinity equals unity. Unity is the form of infinity. Infinity cannot be described, but uh, it exists as a unified field. And so Ra says, there is no end to yourself, no end to your understanding, no end to the journey of seeking, no end to our perceptions of creation. And so... <clears throat> Uh, it means that perception 
never stops, and the journey never stops. It never ends, because after the human uh, achieves their moral decision and graduates into fourth density, generally four D positive, they go on and learn there. They go on in fifth, and they go on in sixth, and they go on in seven. They go on. And they leave the octave, going into eighth density at the level of a Buddha, at the level of basically an infinite power. They become、uh, a force of the infinite creation, and that goes on too. And they still journey, and they still are seeking whatever that you know massively enor- massively expanded sense of being is,、uh, approaching basically one who can. Uh, encompass a seven-dimensional solar system, one who becomes a sun, S-U-N, and so becoming a sun or a solar logos, solar word, solar creator, creator of a seven-dimensional solar system, <clears throat> is、um, a stage of evolution that、uh, is beyond higher self and beyond Ra. It's a level of a cosmic Buddha, which basically means omniscient, knowing everything, omnipotent. All powerful, no limit to power. Anything that could be done, they can do, and omnipresent, which means they are present everywhere simultaneously, everywhere they are. So that's a, a expanded, vastly expanded state of being. That too is not the end of the journey of seeking. And so <clears throat> there's no end to our self because the self is the infinite one. The infinite creation is the self. There's no true self、uh, outside or separate from the infinite one of all, and so, like now, who's listening to my words? It's not the body. It's not the one that has thought, or the the thought itself. Meaning, the body is not listening. The body responds, but there's you. Who experiences a body, and you who experiences mind and thought, and you who's listening? Who is that one? That one is the one. One what? The one infinite. And so the spiritual path is to basically remove the blinders and、uh, take off the false identifications that lead to limited perception, that are associated with、um, limited sense of of self or identity. False identity. Coming from limited perception,、um, that is stripped away on the spiritual path. But there's no end to the journey of seeking. <clears throat> so even the lords of karma, guys who administer the flow of seven-dimensional solar systems, those are the heavy hitters. They administer the energetic flow of seven-dimensional solar systems. Even for them, the journey of seeking goes on. So,、uh, and then philosophically, that which is infinite cannot be many. Manyness is a finite concept. <clears throat> and Gautama Buddha, the Buddha, also talked about the end of the naming activity that occurs for an enlightened one,、uh, an enlightened person, an enlightened being,、uh, is free from uh, uh, compulsive naming activity. Naming activity means identifying experience by thought. Which means a finite concept. So our thought represents finite conceptualization, making concept, making idea, each of which is finite. I am Scott. You are listening. Here is a teaching. 
this is today, yesterday was not today. All of that represents a um, finite concept based on limited perception that leads to, that comes from and leads to a mistaken identity, meaning a sense of what we are. So thought, belie the belief that thought is, is real, or the belief that thought truly explains or describes reality is a mistake and um, an elaboration of finite concept. Thought is a finite, thought is the production of finite concept. Finite meaning limited. Uh, <clears throat> it's actually said that before the, cre the infinite one made a galaxy or gave rise to galaxies with the, the thought, let there be light, right? Ra said the origin of light is the action of free will upon love, meaning the infinite free will or infinite will of the one acting on its infinite love gave rise to light, meaning let there be light, meaning the birth of galaxies and stars and solar systems and planets and seven-dimensional octaves or seven-dimensional systems. That all came from the notion, let there be light, which was the interplay of infinite power and infinite love and the desire for experience. Um, but Ra said, even before that time, you know, this is really high esoteric philosophy, before the interplay of, if we can, there's really no linearity, there's no time sequence here, but if we think about before and after or sequence, sequentiality, uh, before the thought, let there be light, which is the interplay of infinite will or power and love, desire for experience, Ra said, the creator discerned a concept. The concept was finity, non-infinity. <clears throat> so everything that we experience is an experience of apparent finity, right? I see the pillow. I look out the window and see a tree. I uh, hold my hands together. I hear sound from my mouth. This is all uh, an experience of finite, uh, defined um, data, defined, uh, conceptualized experience. Uh, and that's the way it appears. So that's the way we experience it. But actually, that's um, a concept, or that's just the idea, an idea of that. And it's born of limited perception. And so that's why Ross said, you're not, you're not living in a material universe, you're living in a thought. Uh, this was said, you know, at uh, earlier position, earlier point in this session. Uh, actually, the first comment, 1.0, uh, you are not part of a material universe, you're part of a thought. Or, you're not part of a material universe, you are the manifestation of a thought. Uh, you're dancing in a ballroom in which there's no material. There's the appearance of material and finite items, finity, uh, but that is actually a thought. So the appearance of creation, the experience of limited creation, of all cre creation itself is intrinsically limited, right? We have energy fields, which are limited, including the energy field of a galaxy. Pretty big, but it's limited. We have seven-dimensional octaves around solar systems or suns. That's limited, too. It's pretty big, but it's still delimited. 
that limitation uh, is basically because it comes from, it's an expression of a finite thought, or it's an expression of thought. You are dancing thoughts, <coughs> said Ra. You are not part of a material universe. The dancing thought is the fact that uh, all light, let there be light, light love, all form, all energy, all matter, um, all beings, came from the thought of finity. The thought, oh, which the infinite one, the infinite creator, before creation, before manifestation, had the thought, oh, there's something called finity. Wow, I can be what I am not. I can appear to be what I am not. I can experience non-infinity. Wow. And that's very subtle. So, uh, the infinite one, being one and infinite, uh, is not limited in any way. However, with the birth of light, let there be light, and galaxies, and solar systems, and planets, and beings, and dimensions, and all of that, there was the birth of an experience of finity, of limitation. Now, that's actually just a thought in the mind of the infinite. And the spiritual path is to become free of uh, labeling uh, by thinking and naming activity in mind, labeling experience in a finite way, and seeing or knowing its, in, its intrinsic infinity, the infinity of reality, the infinity of the life that's living, that we're living right now, beyond thought and naming activity. And that's why in meditation we start to learn that by um, being, being able to let go of thought and feeling and emotion and perception as we focus on uh, the object of concentration, like the breath. So we focus on the breath or the mantra and learn to allow thought and feeling and sensation to come and go. Um, that is a detachment from the naming activity, the thinking, or the limiting of our perceptions, or limited perceptions themselves, moving back to uh, a beingness in infinity, which is true nature. So, uh, interestingly, Ross says, to have infinity, you must identify or define that infinity as unity. Otherwise, the term doesn't have any meaning. Uh, meaning that infinity is boundlessness. It's um, a lack, it, it, it's impossible to, to differentiate infinity. Infinity is uh, beyond differentiation. Um, all is all. Like some people, you know, like in drug trips, people say, oh my God, everything's everything, man, everything's everything. Uh, that, is an, that is a small taste, actually, uh, of the infinity of unity, or the unity of infinity. So, Interestingly, Ross says that the prism, the light that comes, you know, the colors stemming from or coming out of the action of white light entering a prism, triadic prism, the one enters the three and comes out as the seven. I wrote, I, you know, I have a YouTube video called Cosmic Numerics that talks about that. But <clears throat> the one light entering the triadic or tr three-sided prism comes out as the seven rays, seven colors, Seven chakras, seven body, energy bodies, seven dimensions. That's the, the, the octave or, or septonate or sevenfold nature of light itself. Those seven colors are, in, are 
distinct frequencies or qualities of energy in embedded in the one light. The one white light has intrinsically in a latent form a septonate or a sevenfold structure or seven seven distinct quanta of energy in the white light, which is one. So the seven is one. The seven uh, colors, or seven dimensions, or seven chakras, or whatever, uh, which appears as a seven, right? We, we say it's a seven. Okay, yeah, I see seven colors, right? It's a seven, huh? Okay. Well, that seven is basically an expansion of the internal structure of the one. The internal structure of the one white light has within itself uh, the capacity to be divided into a seven, naturally. So it's the, the, the internal structure of one is a seven. It's actually a three that becomes a seven, but it's like that. And so uh, intrinsic to the one is the capacity for the one to be expressed as a seven. But the true nature of the seven is one, because it comes from the one. Is it different from the one? No, it's not different from the one. The seven is the one. That's the point. Uh, because the nature of the white light that enters the prism is uh, expressed as the seven. It's just that the white light um, can be seen as white light. The white light can be seen as a seven rays, uh, depending on the prism. So the prism is actually the three laws, the law of love, or the law of free will, the law of love, law of light. When the infinite light, or the infinite one, um, modulates itself or um, uh, processes itself through those qualities of infinite power and love with the desire for all or for itself to be free, to be full, to be itself naturally, no control, uh, then wishing to manifest as light coming out as a seven. And so the seven is the one it's not uh, different than the one. And so we can focus on any color of the seven and say, oh, okay, well, we got green light, green, green here. It's love, it's love. It's not, it's not wisdom, it's love only. But that's just a focus, uh, exclusion, exclusionary focus on one aspect of the seven. But, but that green is ultimately an expression of the one white, white light. And the whole seven is an expression of the one white light. And so its identity is actually the one white light. And that's infinity, that's unity, infinity, infinite unity. And so that's why Ra says, you've seen the prism showing all colors stemming from the sunlight. That's an example of unity. So the seven that is uh, the result of the white sunlight, the white light going through the three, that seven is an example of unity, which is very interesting. So then Ra gives uh, a second, uh, deeper explanation of the Law of One, and they say, well, I say, here, is there any questions right now in the group? Anybody have any questions? No. Okay. Okay. I think we're good. Okay. So uh, Ra presents... um, a second makes a second pass at explaining the law of one. And they say, In truth, there is no right or wrong. There is no polarity. For all will be, as you would say, reconciled at some point 
in your dance through the mind-body-spirit complex, which you amuse yourself by distorting in various ways at this time. This distortion is not in any case necessary. It is chosen by each of you as an alternative to understanding the complete unity of thought which binds all things. <clears throat> you are not you when we're, basically, when we're talking about the law of one. You are not speaking of similar or somewhat like entities or things. <clears throat> you are everything, every being, every emotion, every event, every situation. You are unity. You are infinity. You are love-light, light-love. You are. This is the law of one. So, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> only, only, only a master who has finished the experience of duality and apparent separation um, would be able to speak this way. You, you know, you won't even find, you will not find any other human channel, channel document speaking this way. They may talk about, you know, uh, the, the ancient wars of other planets and uh, the names of commanders and uh, some kind of emotional comforting pablum, but you're not going to hear this kind of um, the philosophy of enlightenment or the uh, statements of a fully, uh, fully enlightened being that has passed beyond the uh, belief in duality or separation. So, <clears throat> in reality, beyond our conceptuality and conceptual naming, there is no right or wrong. Uh, you know, if your cruel, cruelty to a person, is it wrong? Well, it's, uh, it can certainly be understood as bad, I don't like it, I don't want it, I wouldn't want to do it, I don't like the person who does it, uh, but from the position of, of non-differentiation um, non or non-judgment, um, in, in the ocean of life, it isn't wrong, it just is. Saying it's not wrong doesn't mean it's right, it just means it can be understood without the label of judgment of right and wrong. The label judgment, labeling judgments of right and wrong are applied by us, uh, and in fact any differentiation of concept, right, concept activity, finite concept, uh, is uh, a limited perception. Now, it's not like I'm saying it's good to be bad, it's good to be cruel, but beyond the addition of uh, the concepts of judgment, of right and wrong, um, life is. So if you see the seven, the seven colors of the rainbow, are one, you know, the seven coming out of the one, from the, from the one through the three, the prism, uh, can you say that one of those colors is good and the other one is bad? What, indigo is good and green is bad, or uh, indigo, like six-ray, is good and uh, orange, second-ray, is bad? You can't say that the, the prism, the colors of the prism are good or bad. They just are. But there is a difference between indigo and orange, meaning there really is a difference between the development of consciousness to sixth density and the development of consciousness to second density, like an animal. 
there is a difference. There's a big difference. Uh, but it can't be called good and bad. The difference itself is relative anyway, because uh, the orange and the indigo are expression of the seven that comes from the one. It is the one. It's the one in the form of orange or indigo. And that's the point, is the infinite one appears in form. The form can be differentiated from other form. There is a difference between indigo and orange, for sure. It's not of the difference of good and bad or right and wrong, although we can apply those concepts if we want. But there is an energetic difference. There is a quality difference, absolutely, between indigo and orange. However, um, they exist as, as manifestation of the one light, of the one white light. It's simply seen, seen through a glass darkly, seen through the prism of differentiation of the three, it appears different. It appears different, but its substance is the same. Its substance is white light or vibration. So from that view, then, there is no polarity. And when we talk about time and space, uh, we can also understand this um, non-polarity non or transpolarity of reality. There is no polarity because in time, all will be reconciled at some point, some time in the future, in your dance, meaning dancing thoughts, meaning the, the vibrating nature of light in our journey of seeking, which is our dance. Uh, the... Uh, what appears as polarity will, again, we're talking about time and space here, will be reconciled uh, through each person, mind-body-spirit complex, um, even though while now we are amusing ourselves by distorting our self, our mind-body-spirit, in various ways. And so this distortion is basically focusing on the particular and judging, right and wrong, good and bad, um, without realizing the one infinite that it is. So, yeah, sure, there's a difference between orange and indigo, but they are both an expression of the one infinite, the infinite one. They both came from the one infinite, which came as the white light, as the, the, the great white light. Uh, so, uh, infinite, the infinite one, or the one infinite, appears in form uh, in distinct ways, as, as expressions of the seven. Uh, and our uh, focusing on elements within the seven, and um, excluding or not, not being aware of the totality, is self-distortion. And so self-rejection is a form of that. And anything that's outside of absolute love wisdom is a distortion. Anything outside an appreciation of the one is a distortion. That's why Ra uses the term distortion all the time. Everything other than an understanding the complete unity of thought which binds all things is a distortion. Uh, the distortion is not in any case necessary. It's chosen by each of you. We choose and create our distortions. So we are totally responsible for our condition of mind and body. Even if others are influencing us, we're responsible for them being in our life. And so we create our own reality, of course, by our decisions. And so uh, we create the distortions that we experience. And Ross says that you're sort of amusing yourself 
we amuse ourselves by these distortions and so we focus on the particular and then get tangled up and that's a kind of self-amusement uh, and a kind of child play but you know children's play is kind of self-developmental and our amusement is self-developmental but it's also painful and um, leads to the suffering of humanity like we have we see around us around us in the world but this distortion uh, not not seeing the infinite unity in the particular in the apparently finite that kind of distortion which is again without love without true love and wisdom uh, not necessary is chosen by us as an alternative to understanding or knowing or being in the total unity of reality which is that this reality is the thought a thought in the mind of the infinite it's it's thought form that appears as form as material form energy form uh, the complete unity of all or of thought um, that binds all things again you see it's difficult to talk about unity with with particular words so the unity of thought that binds all things there are no things to be bound there is no binding there's the one the one infinite uh, that can be understood as many things and can be understood as being bound together but it actually is one uh, form one um, seamless substance and that's exactly what the Zen masters were talking about in the traditional Zen of Chan. You know, they're basically saying all of your differentiation is fantasy. Uh, and uh, so including the ocean, the notion of, um, you know, samsara and nirvana. So that's why there's some, one of the great teachers said, you know, if you see the Buddha on the road, kill him. It means the, the differentiations in mind uh, about higher and lower and uh, earlier and later on the spiritual path and all of that is uh, fantasy and uh, distortion and non-recognition of uh, infinite unity here or unified infinity now so when we're and that's why Ra gives this very hardcore statement of the law of one you are not speaking of meaning we're not talking about here uh, and the law of one is not saying uh, the law of one is not saying you're not speaking of here we're not talking about here similar or somewhat like entities or things it's not like things are part of each other and it's not like they're sort of things are like each other you are everything every being every emotion every event every situation you are unity you are infinity you are love light you are light love you are this is the law of one and so the law of one is that you are unity and you are infinity and you are everything now a psychotic person may say that too uh, and so the difference is that a psychotic person um, has has unstable consciousness and um, actually is attached to the thought of these uh, attached to these rea this this reality as a thought rather than its experience of it there's a difference between living um, infinite identity and thinking about infinite identity identity that I am all I am totality uh, to think about it is not the same as to live it 
and to live it doesn't require the thinking of it. But those who can't live it may think it, and if that occurs in certain kind of mind, the person goes insane. And so oh, there's a difference between the, the condition of mind of the one who talks this way and the one who lives this way. And I'm not saying I live this way fully either, but <clears throat> it is true that a psychotic person may say, I am unity, I am infinity, I am everything, I am every being, I am every emotion, I am every event. A psychotic may certainly say that, and they still may be psychotic, but they are attached to the thought of absolute reality instead of living absolute reality. And um, it occurs in an unstable um, consciousness. But, but this is the law of one, and it's very hardcore. You are everything. You are the wall, you are the dirt on the floor, you are the infinite, you know, <laughs> the infinite universe, you are a planet, you are a galaxy, you are empty space, you are electromagnetism, <laughs> you are everything, you are unity, you are infinity. Now, um, that just means that our true identity is the identity of uh, the infinite one or one infinity. The unified infinity, all that is, is what we are. And that's reality. And uh, everything other than that is a distortion. Okay, any questions? Um, yeah, I would agree with that completely. Uh, when, you know, again, we're talking about the difficulty of using words um, that themselves are mistaken and lead to further confusion to explain what's beyond mistake and confusion. Uh, they're talking about time when actually in an understanding of the law of one there is no time. And so they're saying uh, <clears throat> uh, they're, they're saying there are two things going on. The absolute state of, of reality or what we're living right now is beyond or or a truth it's a reality beyond our concepts of time and beyond our concepts of right and wrong uh, reality that we live in now not in the future or in the past but we're talking just now is um, free of our conceptualization of right and wrong and then too also when we're considering time and evolution of mind, um, yes, in sixth density, there is reconciliation of apparent polarity as the two paths end in the law of one or in the realization of unity beyond the, apparent, the appearance of polarity or uh, what we call with love and without love or with unity or without unity. And so it happens then also it happens in its extensity that souls, um, negative, negatively oriented souls on the negative path, who are get into six density early six, uh, cannot proceed further, uh, holding on to the idea that they are separate from totality. I want power, and I will control and manipulate. At that point, they're they're all doing it in their mind. They're they're doing um, their service to self activity outside of the Orion group actually, a late 5th density negative and early 6th density negative, these souls are not even part of the Orion group generally. 
they're just working in mind. And uh, they come to the point where they realize the notion of separation of a me and a you, or me and an environment, is a lie. And they have to drop it. And so that's the reconciliation um, of apparent polarity. And we can do that here in third density, too. That's what the adept path is all about. So yeah, Ra's talking about that in sixth density, the, the two paths end. The ending of the two paths is really the ending of the delusion that uh, apparent separate self, self and other, is real. The idea that there's a me and there's an environment and there are two. These are two, me and the environment. Uh, me with love or me not with love. Uh, that's a. This is these ideas come from limited perception, and that perception dissolves in sixth density into an awareness of unity. Uh, Don asked about Earth changes, planet coming. Can you say anything about the coming planetary changes? This is question one point nine, and Ra gave a very very short answer, which we'll talk about more, but not today. Ra said. I preferred to wait until this instrument again had again reached a proper state of a proper state of depth of singleness or one-pointedness. So that's why there was a pause. Anyway, Ross says the changes are very, very trivial. We do not concern ourselves with the conditions which bring about harvest. Ra normally doesn't use the word "very" twice in a row or twice, one after another. So to say "very, very trivial" is an emphasis of how minor. <laughs> the destructive Earth changes that are occurring on planet Earth really are, from the perspective of eternal soul evolution. Uh, these are the conditions which bring about harvest. Harvest is the graduation of souls on planet Earth that naturally happens and is happening now at the end of the third density cycle, the period of human evolution <clears throat> associated with third chakra energetics, third chakra body and mind, third chakra consciousness, individuality, individuation, um, intellect, but veiled and unaware of the depth of our true being and um, the creation, which is part of the cosmic plan that we don't know that or it's veiled in 3D mind and body. So the ending of that phase of soul evolution on earth is the harvest the conditions that bring about harvest include uh, the planetary changes, which are earth changes, which is, you know, the extreme weather and volcanoes and earthquakes and solar activity, actually, and all basically the geophysical um, upheaval and anomalies of weather and volcanism, earthquakes, uh, and anything else, including animal die-offs. Uh, that are basically part of the conditions that are bringing about harvest based on the uh, karma and the consciousness of humanity. It doesn't have to be that way, but it is because of the karma and the consciousness of humanity, the collective, um, for the last 20,000 years or so, actually from the beginning. So Ra wants to say that don't worry about the earth changes, but of course they don't have to you know, worry about their house falling down or you know, the winds blowing away their town. So, uh, we'll talk later in the contact here about Earth changes. And the final major question of session one is 110, 1.10. 1 
Uh, Don, in a kind of circuitous way, wonders, is asking, is it possible to create an acceleration of the understanding of others? Um, if you work on yourself, does it affect others? If you try to help others, does that really work? Is it possible to help others? Does it help the planet? What's going on here about service? And Ra says, we shall answer your question in two parts, both of which are important equally. And so they, they divide and unify. So they say, firstly, you must understand that the distinction between yourself and others is not visible to us. So they actually, they can see, obviously, that there is a distinction we make between self and other, right? I am Scott, I am not Ryan, this kind of thought or experience, they are aware of that. But that distinction that we make isn't visible or isn't seen as a reality by them. Ra goes on, we do not consider that a separation, a true, real separation, exists between the consciousness-raising efforts of the distortion which you project as a personality, meaning you, your consciousness-raising efforts, and the distortion which you project as another personality, meaning we don't see, Ra doesn't see that there's a, a real separation. We don't see any real separation between the efforts that one person makes for consciousness transformation or raising consciousness and, um, and how it affects others or the work of others. So the work of one is the work of all and it affects all. Thus, Ra goes on, thus to learn is the same as to teach, meaning when we're learning, we're teaching. They say, unless you're not teaching what you're learning, in which case you've done you, they, little, or no good. Meaning, uh, essentially, learning is teaching uh, because it's natural that there's a sharing of the learning, and that affects all. At a higher level, or a more subtle analysis, uh, the work of uh, the work that's done what we call self-transformation is world salvation is world liberation. The liberation or, tra or transformation that one individual does is not separate from the ocean of creation, right? When the wave gets itself together, or, you know, and uh, makes a nice, I'm a fine, beautiful, lovely wave, that affects every other wave in the totality of the ocean of creation because there is no separation. Now, there's space between my body and your body, and my thinking and your thinking and my personality and yours are different, clearly. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there's fundamental separation. There's, a, there's the appearance of difference, for sure. However, energetically, this occurs, or, or this, this difference, this apparent difference, genuine apparent difference, which appears, uh, occurs within a field of unity. It's, it's like, <clears throat> you know, the ocean is just water. However, you see waves. Is the wave different from the ocean? Yes and no. Is the wave different from another wave? Yes and no. The form is different. The appearance is different. The qualities of the wave form are different. But the substance is the same. It's all water. <clears throat> and not only is it all water... But any vibration of any portion of any wave uh, affects the every other portion of every other wave too. 
every portion of what appears as an individual affects every other portion of what also appears as any other individual. Because they're just oceans in the one, they're waves in the one ocean. These waves are substance of the one substance. And that's the etheric body, actually. That's the sixth density body of the Logos. The sixth dimensional body, sixth dimensional energy field is called the etheric body, E-T-H-E-R-I-C. And Ra, in distinction to other sources, actually associates the etheric body with the sixth chakra, not second chakra. It's a very big difference, although there is a chakra band 6-2. And so, again, you know, don't worry if you don't understand some of what I say. Uh, if you stay with it, you will understand more and more. So just to hear it once is, uh, you know, applying the, the furrow to the field and uh, trying to break up the clods of confusion. And when they're slowly broken up, you break them up little by little by little until you have a nice, um, well-furrowed field ready for seeds and um, the new crop of understanding and wisdom and happiness. So uh, hearing it once and not getting it is just breaking up the clods of unthinking in the mind. And uh, don't worry about it. But um, the... Uh, ocean, the the substance, the one substance of the ocean of life, is identified as the etheric body, and that's the six-dimensional body, and that's why Ra knows I am one, we are one, all is one, because they're living in the six, they're living in the consciousness or awareness of the uh, Creator's six-density six body, energy field, six-density energy field, which is the the body, the substance of unity like the water that is the substance of all the waves. The etheric body is the substance or the true nature, um, one level of true nature, of all the form and vibration that appears in creation in the octave. <laughs> so this is why nobody listens to me. This is too heavy, you know? Anyway, <clears throat> uh, Ra says, We do not consider that a separation exists between the consciousness-raising efforts Consciousness-raising efforts of, of one personality and another. To learn is the same as to teach, um, even when you don't open your mouth. Because if you're really learning, uh, that radiates. The improvement of, of a single wave um, ends up uh, sharing the quality of that work with all the other waves in the ocean, too. And so Ra is saying, um, this understanding, the understanding that um, when you're learning, you are teaching, or when you're developing yourself, it does benefit others. Truly benefiting yourself, truly developing love wisdom, means truly sharing or being love wisdom of a greater, you know, being and sharing the beingness of greater love wisdom. You cannot, you you can, you, you you cannot not you cannot not share. You must, you can only share what you are. What you are radiates whether you like it or not, right? What you are is visible to higher beings, whether you like it or not. What you are is what is expressed. You express or share or radiate, manifest what you are, what you have become by your own efforts. Whatever degree of love, wisdom, uh, and awareness of unity you are and have become is 
choicelessly shared or expressed or manifest in totality for all uh, and higher beings see it very clearly uh, and so that's the benefit to others of true self-benefit and Ross says this understanding should be pondered by your mind body spirit complex meaning pondered by you uh, as it is a distortion which plays a part in your experiences at this nexus at this time meaning most people think that it's selfish to help myself and not help you but actually if you truly help yourself you are helping all then to turn to the second part of our response we may state our understanding limited though it is Ross says group individuated consciousness is that state of sharing understanding with other distortions of mind body spirit complexes so you know the language is very difficult here group individuated consciousness meaning consciousness that is of a unified group condition the unification of a group mind is a state of sharing understanding with other beings which are within the evident reach of the individual or the group sorry if I take out the word mind body spirit complex here a few times uh, when when um, when we uh, when there is a development of consciousness um, in association with others uh, this is a kind of natural sharing with individuals and groups so Ra says thus I think actually it's hard to understand that first sentence Thus, Ra goes on, thus we are speaking to you and accepting both our distortions and your own in order to enunciate the laws of creation, more especially the law of one. Uh, and so they're saying that uh, what they're calling group individuated consciousness. Group individuated means the group is uh, unified. The group of individuals or souls, like in sixth density or higher group, the individualism, the individuality of the individual souls dissolves somewhat in the unified consciousness that they all share together. And that's a state of sharing um, with the minds of others, um, other individuals and other groups and all is shared in that way and that's similar to what's what Ra is doing in the channeling itself which is accepting both their distortions and the groups the Don Carla Jim their own in order to speak the laws of creation and then they go on which is very important we are not available to many of your peoples that's very true very very few channeling contacts are six density almost none we are not available to many of your peoples, for this is not an easily understood way of communication, channeling, or type of philosophy, which is advanced metaphysics. However, our very being is hopefully a poignant example of both the necessity and the near hopelessness of attempting to teach. Uh, later, we'll talk more about this near hopelessness of attempting to teach. Uh, Ross said, later, service is effective only to the degree it is requested. Um, the effectiveness of teaching and serving in many ways is limited by the capacity of the receiver to receive and make use of what's offered by the teacher or the server. And there's a near hopelessness in it 
because we can't learn for another. And no matter how much the teacher is great, the other is the one who makes their own learning to whatever extent they can. So Ra goes on, each of those in this group is striving to use, digest, and diversify the information which we're sending this instrument into the channels of the mind-body-spirit complex without distortion. The few whom you will illuminate by sharing your light are far more than enough reason for the greatest possible effort. To serve one is to serve all. Because one is all. <laughs> because each wave, the substance of each wave is the same water. And so the nature of each being is the same essential love-light infinite unity. Unified infinity, love-light, uh, Godhead, is the substance of all beings. Same substance. It's to serve one is to serve all because there's no separation in truth between one and the all. Therefore, we offer the question back to you to state that indeed uh, it is the only activity worth doing to learn, teach, or teach, learn. And that's the purpose of life. To learn, teach, and teach, learn. To develop what we are and to share it. That's it. That's all. Ra goes on, there is nothing else which is of aid in demonstrating the original thought except your very being, and the distortions that come from the unexplained, inarticulate, or mystery-clad being are many, meaning the distortions that we experience in mind, the unenlightened mind, the mind, uh, the distortions of mind that persist all the way up to the level of Buddha, all the way up through higher self, to the level of complete and perfect enlightenment, all those distortions, which are basically limited perceptions and the identification of, of ourself in limited ways, those distortions are many, many. And they come from the unexplained, the inarticulate, the mystery-clad being, the deep mind, the shadow, the, the depths of deep mind, uh, all sorts of mistaken, mistaken view and identifications based on naming activity and the sense of separation, that whole thing um, is, a, is a thick production of distortion. The Buddha said, Gautama said, even consciousness is born of ignorance. <clears throat> so at the highest level, when there's freedom total, freedom from ignorance, there is no more consciousness. <laughs> there's no more vibration. There's freedom from sentient light. There's freedom from even the understanding that all is all I am one and all is one vibratory sentient light. I am one, all is one, it's all vibratory sentient love light. Uh, even that perception and belief is extinguished when there's uh, the complete ending of ignorance. So <laughs> from here to there is a long way. And uh, <clears throat> sound is okay now. So anyway, Ra is saying, to attempt to discern and weave your way through as many group mind-body-spirit distortions as possible among your peoples in the course of your teaching is a very good effort to make. We can speak no more valiantly of your desire to serve. The desire to serve being the attempt to discern and weave our way through as many group and individual distortions as possible 
and so to, to seek the truth and to get beyond our confusion and to bring up our confusion and distortions for examination so that we can correct ourselves and be free of the distortion. That's a very good effort to make. And um, Ross says, we applaud you, and you know we can speak no more valiantly of that pure desire to serve. And as we do it ourselves, um, we are benefiting the whole, and others can benefit more from it too. And basically, that's the end of the main teaching in session one. And at the end of the session, Ra um, shows how they um, leave the group, and they they basically say a certain phrase many times. I leave you in the glory, or in the the love and the light. I glee, I leave you in the glory and peace of unity. Go forth in peace, rejoicing in the power of the one Creator. I am Ra. So, I leave you in the glory and peace. Of unity. Go forth in peace, rejoicing in the power of the one creator. Uh, <laughs> that's very beautiful and very high. So, uh, Ra is the real deal. This is really communication from uh, the level of Atman, higher self, uh, freedom from belief in duality, awareness of the one infinite, the infinite one. Uh, and that uh, all those with eyes to see open and see, and ears to hear open and hear. So let's go to questions. Right. Yeah, I think when we feel well and, um, and peace, true peace, the peace that comes from a love, wisdom, understanding, and um, being in harmony with ourself and, and a big view of life, uh, it's natural that we want to share that with others. And just keep in mind that uh, helping others doesn't require talking, right? Yeah, well, forgiveness is a very high quality. And um, it, it includes unconditional acceptance or love and an understanding of that there are reasons why people are the way they are. And if somebody's bad to us, essentially it's their problem and they are suffering now and they will suffer more later. And that doesn't require any suffering of ours. And it's their, it's their harming themselves that is really what's happening. When they're harming us, they're harming themselves more than they can imagine. Not, not only now, but in the future. They're planting seeds that will hurt themselves further. More suffering and pain is coming their way. So that's why Jesus said, forgive them, Father. So that's the key. And, and again, I think it's useful to uh, reflect on Ra's reply in 1.7, the paragraph that starts, In truth, there's no right and wrong. And then, uh, you are everything. Every being, every situation, every event, every being means that those people are you. Their true identity or their substance is the same. So that's, that's very profound. And it's true. And it bears reflection. Um, well, Ra said that water is a very receptive medium for absorption and uh, transmission of love light. And so water, and that's one of the reasons why Earth is such a holy planet, is because there's so much water. And that water um, 
vibrates infinite love. And so uh, that would certainly be a very effective or very helpful. But if you explain it to them, they may get confused. And so you may not need to explain it. Uh, and if you um, talk to them about that or uh, try to push something more, it may not be that helpful. So it's like if you're a cook in a chef, a chef in a restaurant and you bless all the food before it goes out, that's absolutely, for sure, service to other. Uh, yeah. And uh, it helps all the people because the, the water in the food carries or vibrates in harmony with the love that's blessed into it. So, yeah, sure, it's very helpful. I mean, it's how helpful, I don't know, you know, but it's certainly better than not doing it, if we talk about better and worse. Yeah. Well, in a mechanistic way, you can understand that uh, the uh, the cash, C-A-C-H-E, or receiver size, the, the, the extent of receptivity and, recep and, and the ability to listen and receive and integrate of the other person, of the person that we're trying to help, is the limit of how much they can help themselves. They can't help them, so, you know, a person who hasn't developed their intellect can't really handle subtle philosophy. Uh, what they can handle, maybe, is just a little comforting and um, words of encouragement, like, it's okay, man, don't worry, you know, it's okay, you, you know, this this will pass, or I care about you, and that's all. And so, uh, the degree it is requested represents not only the conscious, the extent of the conscious calling, like, please tell me about the law of one, or whatever, please tell me this, please help me with this, but also the, the extent of the development of the mind of the receiver. So a person may ask for a lot, but not be very well developed, uh, and therefore, even they want a lot, and you can offer a lot, they haven't developed the mind greatly to receive and understand. And another person could be asking for very little, and they're very developed. <laughs> they don't need that much in that case. Uh, and therefore, what's appropriate is really to conform with the, the extent of their calling. The, um, uh, the degree it is requested is the specific um, quantity or quality of what they're calling for, which may be, which is really conscious, but also includes the degree that they've developed mind in general up to that point. So it's a very important matter, actually, in, in service to others, uh, in the development of what's called upaya, U-P-A-Y-A. -A. Upaya in Buddhism is skillful means, or uh, the means of service according to one's skill. Or ability, and that uh, skill is very much depending not only on our development, but our perception of their development, and our perception of what's really needed here in the moment. And a great master uh, knows that really well, and we learning know it uh, better and better, perhaps over time. Uh, but we should be careful in not giving people more than they can handle, or more than they're asking for, or more than can be received um, without confusion.
you know, the, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions means that we may have pure intentions and end up hurting people. Uh, if I speak uh, certain things to certain people, I will hurt them, you know. If, you, if somebody is grieving the loss of, of a loved one and you talk to them about karma, uh, they may be upset further and not and not be able to heal naturally because we've added something that they weren't ready for or they don't want, they can't handle, and leads them to becoming more confused. So we may have a pure intention, but we're not very skillful. So it's very important to be careful and, and also be clear that uh, when we're helping excessively, or indiscriminately, or unwisely, or unskillfully, uh, it's because we have limitation in our perception of what they need and how to offer. And often it's because we ourselves are, are filling our need to speak a lot, our need to do a lot, our need to help, rather than their need for help. So we want to make sure we're not selfish in our helping of others. So again, thank you everyone. I appreciate your being here and wish you a good evening and um, hope to see you next week and um, take good care of yourselves. Good night.